0: Stationary adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, joined as always, and not for a while by my friend
1: and co-host Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, long time no here. Absolutely, it's been forever. It's it must be three weeks now, something like that. Good lord! Ah, uh, we skipped three weeks, so this is actually uh, makes it four. <sighs> wow. Good grief! Well, I, I doubt we've got any listeners left, mate. It's just it's just me and you. Ah,
0: As it always is, man. As it always
1: is. (laughs) So what have you
0: been up to? Uh, How was your travel? I know you went to Blighty. I'm not sure if you got to see mom at all. And then, of course, I want to hear about your pink socks. I mean, Camino.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yes, I did go and see my mom. Um, I had a a very, very quick business trip to the UK. um, And I managed to juggle things around so I could go down and see her for... Uh, For an afternoon. Uh, She's in good form. Um, We're just sort of getting our heads around her diagnoses and there's lots of follow-up tests and things that have to go on. So um, that will be a story that runs and runs, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, Then what did I do? I came back, yes. And then, oh, before I even got to the Camino, um, I was having fun with international travel. Um, I flew that there's a sort of maxim in travel that flying beach to beach is really difficult. So you can get to Cyprus from anywhere and you can get to most parts of Spain from anywhere, but you can't really get to either from either. So I had to go via Paris to then go down to uh, Santiago, which is, it's not too much of a a detour in terms of geography, Um, but they're unrelated flights. So, You know, the old days when you and I were, you know, uh, up-and-coming thrusting business people, you you would phone your travel agent and everything would just magically happen. you check your bags in and you change six times and your bags are there when you get there. The good old days. (laughs) That never happens anymore. So you get a single, and if your plane's late, um, tough. You just have to work it out in your new destination. So mine wasn't late. It was fine. Um, I flew with um, uh, Vueling, which is... Uh, Lufthansa's sort of low-cost uh, outfit, um, and the only thing I would say is that for emptying the plane, they are very, very bossy. Um, that uh, we will be disembarking in row in groups of five rows. Please remain seated until your row number is called. Oh. And if you st- if you stand up at the wrong moment, you get barked out and everything. It's very very intimidating. So um, I got to Charles de Gaulle and I landed at Terminal 1, which is the famous one at Charles de Gaulle, which has all the escalators running up through the middle and crossing and um, it's used in pretty much every action movie of the 80s. Um, and I, I managed to sort of negotiate myself through that by following the transfer signs because I was getting another plane. Um, so I followed the transfer signs, followed the transfer signs, cleared security. That's always fun. Uh, and then the transfer sign said Terminal 2 that way. So uh, fortunately I speak the lingo. So I got hold of a uh, security guy and said, uh, excusez moi monsieur, um, I need to get to terminal three. And he went, oh, well, you wouldn't start from here. I said, okay, well, given that I am here, um, how shall I best manage this, do you think, mon brave? Um, and eventually it worked out that I just had to, to leave as if I were leaving the airport. So go out of the exit, Um, And then I would be able to get myself to a sort of little um, sort of underground station where I could get an underground train to Terminal 3. Um, So that meant I passed through a security check unnecessarily and all the queuing that that involved. So that was a bit boring. Anyway, so I did all that. um, And Shardegole being Shardegole, they have a a little metro system that goes from Terminal 1, next stop, somewhere near Terminal 3. Now, now I, I, given that I was going on a walking holiday, I've got no problem walking for 10 minutes. But I just imagine the elderly passengers just, just wondering around, going, what the hell's going on? This this thing stops. And then you sort of, you, you just see sort of uh, signs on the pavement or on the sidewalk saying Terminal 3 that way. And, and you go for a little wander around in the rain and eventually you get to Terminal 3, which is essentially a tin shed um, with, with security at one end and... Sort of four bus stops at the other because it's all bus boarding. Um, so I go to security again. There's nobody there. Apparently nobody uses terminal three. And again, I check with with the woman before I go through. I said, "Look, I, um, I've just come from terminal one, and I thought I would come to terminal three and eat. Is there somewhere through there I can eat? Because I'd sort of I'd, I'd realized that this didn't look like the most modern of terminals." I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a there's a bar cafe." And I thought, "Okay, I'm in Paris." I can go and have a steak fried, perhaps a nice glass of wine, you know, the real thing. So I get through security, boom, boom, boom. There's a Pret-a-Manger, which is essentially a posh subway for anybody across the, the Atlantic. What? Well, What's food, technically? <laughs> yes. Um, and it has beer or little little baby bottles of wine, uh, none of which would make it to the sort of, you know, top 100 of Stew's wine list. Anyway, I thought, okay, this is not exactly the Parisian experience I was hoping for. Still, um, I had I had a few hours to kill. Um, unfortunately, it was a big layover. It was like five hours. Although I had wasted an oh. hour and a half trying to get out of Terminal One, so um, I sat down and uh, and ate, and then got myself um, to Santiago where I met Stu, and uh, you know that was all fine. But then coming back, I had another nightmare. But I'll I'll, I'll save that for for another discussion. It was. Um, it was it was epic um the camino uh what can I say? the camino was wet justin mm, i saw that yeah uh it it was sort of wet um going to increasingly wet um so i'm writing it up uh on on the blog uh StuartLennon.com, uh for members <laughs> You see there's an incentive there. You see what I did there, Justin? Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the the final post in that series, which I think will go out sort of a week after we release this, um, will be titled Rivers of... So that should give an idea of, of um, how it finished. Um, but bottom line, spoilers, I finished. The Camino Frances tick. Um, I even got uh, a Compostela which is, um, it's a kind of get out of purgatory free card for Roman Catholics. So oh, nice. Um, w- when, when you get to the pearly gates um, and St. Peter is about to say, well, you've been a bit of a naughty boy, so we're just going to give you, uh, you know, uh, a couple of hundred years taster of hell, which is broadly the purgatory thing. Any theologists don't write in. I know that's not strictly, against, But anyway, um, you show them this and go, look, I, I did this for forgiveness and, uh, you know, that's going to get me some credit, and you get your sentence reduced. That's that's broadly how it works, I think.
0: Oh, I thought it was like a um, all right. I'm get to go have some fun, have a big party, do all the bad things, and then nobody's going to judge me for it. Mm. Not this historical stuff. I mean, that's that's kind of
1: hard. Well, it it's, it's like a little credit on the ledger. You know, uh, if you believe in all that sort of stuff, um, it's it's a good thing you've you've done that. I suppose it isn't because, you know, God's omniscient, apparently. So he knows that my motivation wasn't particularly motivated by him. Uh, I did invoke his name a few times uh, and asked why he was pouring so much water on me. But um, again, that doesn't necessarily count as an article of faith, I don't know. Um, (laughs) Not in the language you probably used. (laughs) Correct, yes. Um, hmm. Yeah. Anyway, uh, read all about it. Um, It was quite funny. Uh, I, I would say... The community is an amazing thing, and if if you get the chance do it, um, you should. I had an amazing statistic that um, very few people from the United States who start it finish it.
0: That's because they have to go through
1: Charles de Gaulle Airport. <laughs> it could be. Um, but there was, um, uh, I met an American Bintu. Have you ever met a Bintu? Uh Nope. I have no idea what I've been to is oh I've been to is uh, yeah I've been to Thailand I've been to Alaska and I've been to hunting here and I've been to hunting there and um it, someone's very keen on telling me all the places he'd been oh okay I yes i I might know a little bit about those well he was explaining to me that you know uh his words not mine, nobody walks in the USA and so a lot of people start and they don't finish and um blah 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 um and so I just very gently said well don't you have things like the Appalachian Trail and stuff?
0: Nobody finishes that either, Stu. Or very few people do.
1: Well, I could understand why very few would finish that. It is rather long. Is it 1,600 miles or something? Yeah, and you tend to get eaten by bears along the way. Exactly. You have to, you know, camp and things. I mean, I stop and go go to a restaurant and order wine. Uh, you can't really do that on the Appalachian Trail, I don't know. Anyway.
0: Did I tell you we have bears in the backyard here? You didn't. Oh, yes. We've tell been, me. We've been uh, dealing with, uh, there's a, a big bear, about 350 pounds locally. Um, and uh, he's taken it up to, well, using my backyard as his toilet. Um, and I tell you one thing, uh, bear poop is, you know, um, it is huge and it is hard to dispose of, uh, especially when you got a 350 pound bear. Uh, but yeah, he's been, uh, the only way he can come is walk down sort of our driveway beside the house to get in because the rest of the place is fenced in so uh yay big bears Uh, luckily uh, i think he'll be hibernating anytime soon if he hasn't said screw it already with the cold up here
1: cool well there you go you got your own personal sort of protection bear um well i suppose from a a recent movie don't give it cocaine would be my advice Mm. Uh, Yeah, it's funny because
0: it's been around the neighborhood uh, most of the summer, but uh, it's getting more and more brazen. I I actually have some of my friends now that have started locking their doors because uh, this bear has been snuffling around trying to get into houses. So, yay. Oh, wow. He's looking for a cave, I guess. No, he's got his cave. He's looking for food. So uh, that's what they do It's just this time of year, they're just putting on weight and get ready to hibernate. I know how that feels. Yeah, no kidding. Um, We've got one of our other neighbors that goes out and shoots bears because hunting season. Uh, They're out trying to shoot a moose at the moment. So yeah, welcome to living in the Backwoods. (laughs) That's the way it is, I guess. Uh, November 1st is moose season. Um, Yeah, so if you ever see me in the Backwoods, I'm generally wearing something orange or
1: bright red (laughs) or, you know, please don't shoot me while I'm here. Yep, it's it's a dangerous place to be uh, in the middle of hunting grounds. It is. It is.
0: Okay. I got to ask you, Stu, how do you two puppies get along? We are considering a new puppy uh, once it's weaned. And if I'm not allergic to it, because it's not purebred. Mm -hmm. um, But I'm worried it might upset the princess. You've had, well, multiple dogs at once. Mm -hmm. Um, Any suggestions? Good idea? Bad idea? Um, Thoughts? concerns do i do this am i ready for another puppy i
1: don't know <laughs> uh okay so uh, getting a new puppy um in the winter house training all of that stuff very dull um <laughs> it's it's a matter of patience it's a matter of standing around in the cold going please go pee pee um <laughs> which for you is rather more extreme than it is for me i remember um house training these two and <laughs> i was getting quite bored of it by the end i have to say
0: uh you forget i have a princess puppy now um uh-huh. hurry up
1: pp is sort of the keyword that we use as she's mm-hmm. sniffing
0: everything
1: <laughs> well that would definitely help uh the fact that you've got the elder one she will take a part in the training um but you will still find yourself standing outside in the cold and i think your wife is much like mine uh she's she's Very into puppies as long as that doesn't involve any sort of actual effort. Uh, And that's delegated across to us, uh, number two in the house pack. Um, So that's one thing to bear in mind. Uh, In terms of the dogs getting along, um, yes, certainly a puppy will instantly look at the princess as top dog and will instantly um, adore the top dog. Um, <laughs> will annoy the top dog because it's a puppy and puppies annoy everybody. Um, but um, no, I, I don't think you need to be worried about uh, the princess being upset. She will look at you and go, what's that? And what do you expect me to do with it? Um, because she's the princess. She wouldn't, she, <laughs> she would be like that if you bought her a new toy, presumably. Um, but no, generally speaking, uh, dogs are pack animals. They like having um animals beneath them in the pack makes them feel good uh so uh i suspect it will bring you a lot of funny incidents a lot of joy um but you will need some patience Ah, oh, that's a good thing
0: I, uh, A work from home for um mm-hmm, training for sure yep and B,
1: well i'm married and i have a dog i have lots of patience <laughs> <laughs> well there you, go, you um yeah i mean r2 if you try and give a treat to charlie before spice charlie won't take it um he will look at you and go what are you doing she'll kick my kick my head in if you if i take that treat uh he very much knows she's top dog so once she's had her treat then he will start spinning and 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 getting excited about getting his treat but not before all right interesting
0: okay that's good now we've got a couple of neighbors just again we live in a fairly quiet neighborhood in case you can't tell from you know the bears walking down, the deer are back. It's just that time of year. Um, our neighbors have this wonderful concept called free range puppies. Um, basically, you know, these are family pets that that just get to walk wherever they want and go visit, and all the rest of mm-hmm. lovely puppies we know both the father and the mother, uh, apparently people up here are also allergic to fixing their their animals, but we won 't go to mm-hmm. that conversation because um yeah not not quite the way i I run things uh, but yes, this is a unplanned um, um moment of uh, amorous behavior between two neighborhood puppies both of them are similar size one's ease. one's a terrier cross okay uh, similar size to coco uh so we figured this is a good chance to get there we're friends with the parents though so, oh drama oh who gets the puppies so much drama um three of them are staying in the there's four puppies in total three of them are staying in the neighborhood within you know uh five houses of us um and the other one is going to the owner's best friend but the dad's the the, the puppy's father um their adult parents the people parents um actually got all upset because well they weren't getting the choice of the litter um which of course is like well we didn't ask for you to knock up my, my dog. So yes, <laughs> drama, drama, drama over who's getting what puppy, and
1: it's it's funny. So much the same in the human world, I'd imagine.
0: Well, I don't think you give away your kids, but you know, um... well, each to their own, Justin. 20 years later uh you know I, I could consider this might actually be um a very smart idea but yeah anyway so yes it's uh it's, it's a big drama it's quite funny every we'll have all of these puppies probably i would say out of those that uh two of those are going to be free range not mine but uh yeah we'll see how it all goes i was just curious because i know you've got experience and
1: yeah i like i say the thing to do is um you know the princess is dog number one um And you should reinforce that. So dog number one always gets the treats first, always gets fed first. Um, You you reinforce the sort of the pack structure. And then everybody's happy because what dogs love is certainty. They they like to know where they are, how things work. There may come a time when dog number two uh, takes over because dog number one is getting too old, but that's actually quite unlikely. You'll probably find that dog number two will become uh, the personal bodyguard of Dog Number One—that's how it works at my house. Mm. Um, uh, Spice beats the hell out of Charlie every now and again, just to keep him in his place. Um, and Charlie is is the mildest mannered dog uh, in the world. But if another dog goes after Spice, Charlie suddenly goes all macho Jack Russell um, and will we'll, uh, we'll, will die to defend her. Oh, uh-huh. nice, very nice. All right, Stu, let's move on to some real stuff. What's your tool of the week? uh well my tool of the week is caprula uh which regular listeners might remember is my little car um we had uh because while i was in spain um the current mrs l was in the uk visiting her family um i think she had about as much rain as being far more drama um we had a house sitter and the house sitter had the use of caprula uh and she broke her oh that was an expensive vacation yeah well she didn't really break her um uh, Kiprula broke on her and fortunately did it in a place where she was able to sort of pull over. Um, to her embarrassment, she was wearing her night dress because she just nipped out to, to get some money from the village. Oops. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it sort of broke down and then I had a uh, mechanic um, pick it up. Um, and there, there's much to and Frank. Hopefully after we finish recording, she's coming back. Uh, she's already come back once. And I broke her again after about 20 meters. Um, oh uh, but it, it's the camshaft sensors, which is all I'm gonna say because I've no idea what any of those words mean. Um, but what it has meant for me is I've not had a car, so I've been able to sort of say to guys, yeah, I can't really do golf this week. Um, I've I'm i brought back some injuries from the Camino. So um runners will be familiar with this one, the old toenail. Um that uh, i don't want to get all john syracuse on you but i was <laughs> i was
0: just cringing already just wondering where this was going to go no pictures please no pictures
1: yeah exactly my toenail and my toe uh, may soon be parting company oh too
0: much information too much information
1: <laughs> and that's that you know that's a good 6 months to a year recovery it's a bit of a pain um but for the moment it's all just very sore and stuff so uh, a few days off golf was probably not a bad idea uh, i was very tired um, partially from walking twenty odd miles a day, um, and partially from drinking my own body weight in red wine each night, um, uh, and also I, I think that sort of emotional fatigue. Um, as you pointed out on one of the social media posts, this is this has been a long time coming. It was like seven years we've been trying to get to Santiago, um, and I suppose in common with all these things, you get there and go, well where's the ticker parade the dancing girls what no ticker tape what what's going on um it's it's a it's a strangely empty feeling to sort of get to the end of this thing and realize that you know it's it's just friday <laughs> But that's all it is um so it's done me good to have a bit of time off i've been having more naps than is really probably necessary um but, but also catching up with work and stuff. So, uh, just a little bit of, of time away from the golf course has been my productivity tool, bizarrely. Mm. What about you? What have you been uh, getting some benefit from? Well, I was just listening to your
0: story, and the first thought that I had is, well, just buy a new car. Because <laughs> um, you know, if you've if you've only got one car, how do you deal with repairs? I mean, yeah, I, I have I have to because I'm me, and that we, <laughs> you know, for a house of three people, we have four cars. Go figure. <laughs> Welcome to North America, everybody. Uh, we don't walk anywhere, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good callback. I'm, I'm proud of myself for that one. Anyway, uh, no, uh, winter is here. Speaking of uh, cars, I I was out the other day changing uh, my tires on my Jeep. I've got a spare set of uh, winter tires that I've never seen on the Jeep before, mm-hmm. and they're kind of they're really cool looking. They're all black and butch, novelty you know, bigger <laughs> tires and. Uh, very, very manly. I felt, oof, I got to go drive in the bush for this. But uh, no, it's amazing here. Last year on November the 2nd, we had got, I think, about eight inches of snow.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're recording that here. And as predicted, uh, I spent October doing the many, many tasks that required uh, th- that are required by the approaching cold weather. Uh, we went out uh, dry camping because I had to... Uh, drain all the water out of my camper. So nothing freezes and breaks. Uh, we went out camping the other night and it was minus four degrees Celsius, which is, I don't know what that is, 25 degrees Fahrenheit. It was cold. It was below freezing. We had a lovely campfire. Uh, we had snow last week. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, there's so much work preparing for winter. Uh, putting all the patio furniture away, you know, um, blowing out the irrigation, dealing with all the lawn stuff. It's like, it never ends. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of nice. I'm into, we've got heat on, we've got long pants, I dug out a thick winter jacket, uh, my gloves, I'm, I've passed off the baseball caps for the Dukes or, uh, bubble hats, as you might call them without the bubble. Um, yeah, just winter. It's so much work. It's so predictable though. And uh, it's coming. I won't see my
1: my grass for another six months soon. What did you call a bubble hat without a bubble? It's a toque. Ah, it's a beanie. Ah, that's what you call it. In the UK. Yeah. yeah. I lost one on Camino, actually. Scotland Rugby one. Yeah. Ah,
0: probably still there. Yep. When you go back and do it
1: the other way, you'll be able to find it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going that route again, but yes. In theory, I, I shall leave it for some poor, cold uh, pilgrim will find it and go. Oh, just what I need! A nice warm hat, mm, beanie hats. That's what you call them.
0: We call them too because we're mm. Canadian, eh? <laughs> of course you are.
1: All right, what you been writing with? Uh, did you? What did you take on Camino first? Uh, what did I take on Camino? I had I had a Fisher Space uh, clip. So it has a little, it's like a a Fisher Space Hiking, I think they call it. It's got a little clip at the end so you can, you know, attach it to the various and sundry bits of your bag. Um, I had it in a knock uh, seed case, uh, which Nero's doesn't carry anymore because, uh, well, nobody carries them anymore because he stopped doing them. But um, I had that and I had a little um, uh, Kaweko... Um, I can't remember what they're called. Tiny one. Sport? Lilliput. There oh, Lilyput. Okay, Lilliput. yes. Yeah, the little tiny ones. Uh, I've got a sort of um, fire blue Lilyput that's got um, uh, a really nice sort of dark green ink in it, forest green, I think they call it. And I use that for my daily journaling. Um, I took a uh, Dapper Notes book with me, uh, Jamie. Um, was one of his limited editions from, oh, I think, really, really nice. And it's just so nice to be able to write in a pocket notebook with a fountain pen. Uh, so they, I spent a lot of time on airplanes and at airports and I did a lot of notes there. And in the evenings, in that sort of brief sort of gap between finishing walking, finishing the admin uh, and uh, having dinner, we'll just take a few notes. Stu and I, both we're both noty type people, so we would take a little 15 minutes to to write down our thoughts Um, and it was nice to get back actually and get to some big pens because small pens are great but they're not not fabulous for sort of long writing sessions so I just uh, today got back to my uh, sorry not today uh, this week got back to my Pelican M205 the Star Ruby uh, my 1911 Sailor they were both inked up and I've just now inked up the uh pelican m805 blue dune oh there you are back with the big boy yeah absolutely and I've put some mont Blanc jfk in it um although i'm at that stage with the ink bottle where it's really awkward to get a fill out of it uh even more so now so i'm gonna to have to do some some sort of alchemy and uh combine that in with the next bottle do you have um uh, syringes uh because that's what i use I don't have syringes, I do have some little sample bottles, so I can just pour it into a sample bottle, which is, you know, long and thin, like a test tube, and fill from that. Mm. That's probably what I As long doing. as you can fit
0: the nib in there.
1: mm mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, they're about the right size.
0: I use a, a syringe, they're actually for filling uh, inkjet printers, mm-hmm. uh, stubby on the back end so you don't jab yourself, because you don't want to inject ink, um, give yourself a tattoo. Uh, and they work really well, particularly for cartridge fillers. You just suck it a little bit
1: up, put it back in, and away you go. I was going to say, where, how do you... Oh, I see what you mean. You, you fill the syringe and then put the pen into the syringe. Or you fire the syringe at the at the pen.
0: So particularly if you've got like a cartridge converter, you pop that out and just yeah, put, yeah, put, no, put not it not in and fill it up. Yeah. yeah. Works really well for getting those last little bits out of a ink bottle. Just enjoy the process, because let's face it.
1: We're nerds. when's the last time you finish a bottle of ink? <laughs> I mean I, I've been pretty good. I have not ordered any ink to Cyprus, and I've been here for five years. so um, <laughs> i'm I'm very, very dutifully getting to the bottom of bottles. Mm-hmm. and at some point during December, I suspect my will will break, and Colt pens are going to get a massive order and go, "Wow." a lot of ink to cypress. We ever send that much ink to cypress? Um, but yeah, for the moment, I'm, I'm just trying to get it down. So I don't have those bottles of ink that I've had for, you know, a hundred years just lying around. We won't talk about that then, Stu. <laughs>
0: I was good at my self-control. Uh, the Diamine ink vent thing came out again. Sure, yeah. Uh, and a couple of places I was going to buy it from uh, now are charging shipping. This is one of those fun things, even though the price uh, hadn't gone up from last year. Uh, You know, it added sort of 15% extra for shipping. And I kind of went, ah, no, it's just at that point, I really don't need any more ink. Even though it's fun, I don't need that much ink. So I exercised as much self-control as Justin ever shows and passed on it. I'm so proud of myself. Yeah, so you should be. What pen are you using this week or pens? Are- Ugh, I had a frustrating week. Uh, We have Halloween out here and uh, Halloween is sort of a big thing. I'm not sure it is in Cyprus, but uh, I decided I wanted to pull up something all spooky. So I picked up a Monteverde mountain pen. It's uh, in the series Vesuvio. Uh, It's a gray pen, gray and black pen with sort of orange uh, swirls in it. Very Mm -hmm. spooky looking. I picked up uh, an orange ink for Halloween, the Edelstein Mandarin, and went to write with it. And this nib sucks. I tried a couple of times and just gave up on it. Um, so yeah, I was so frustrated and disappointed. And uh, so I just—I uh, still have other other stuff on my desk that I've been writing with, but it sucks when a when a nib
1: sucks on a pen. And what, why why does it suck? What, what, what's the matter with it in your? it's
0: scratchy it just won't stay in alignment i can align it and then it goes right back out Uh, i've smoothed it it's just not a great writing pen Um, i'm not a huge fan of the way that the tipping is on this pen it's a fine nib uh, but it's got quite a a square cut to it Mm -hmm. it's not a rounded cut so uh, you know it works great at this angle and then you Move your down the page a little bit and it starts scratching. I just uh, life
1: is too short for crappy
0: found pen nibs Sure, certainly
1: is. Have you got any 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 go back on it? Can you sort of go back to Mozart and say, hang on, this isn't right, or maybe maybe get it ground? I've had this for years. Um, I mean I can
0: I could deal with it. It's just um uh, it's way more time and effort than I really wanted to do, which is uh, I hanked it up on the weekend for writing with Tuesday was uh, Halloween. I figured I'd just play with it a little bit, and I didn't want to spend hours fixing a, a nib. I, and this nib really needs to be on a dry pen by the time that I actually, you know, which defeats the objective. Let's use this pen with the orange ink. But uh, mm, sure. I, it's it's fine. It was a cheap pen. It was, I think, like 100 bucks or something, so maybe 100 US. But not one of my more expensive ones that I'd be terribly upset with, but Got grumpy about it anyway. <laughs> Why not? I gotta give me something to be grumpy about. All right, our topic today, if you can remember what it was, Stu. Daily Driver setup. So you're back in the office now. You've had a few trips. Um, what are you doing for Daily Driver? Have you have you got one? Are you still running on your pocket notebook or mm,
1: yeah? I mean, I've um I, I flip-flop around quite a lot. Um, and I sort of, <laughs> I I move from aspirational system to practical system to something in between. At the moment, I'm I'm kind of at something very practical. I've got a a triple daily driver system. So there are three books that uh, feature in certainly every working day. Um, I have two businesses: the 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 um, anti money laundering consulting business, and the Stationary Business Nero's. So each of those has a book. Uh, and then I have a third book for life. So anything that's not those two, really. Um, I have some other books as well. Um, you know, I'm studying and things like that, but they they don't necessarily come out every day. Uh, in fact, the studying one probably needs to come out quite soon now that I think about it. But anyway, um, so for Lime, uh, I am using a Smithson um a brand we have mentioned before, uh, ring-bound notebook. They call it a refill because it's made to go inside a writing folder. Um, it's it's basically a sort of A5-ish side-bound spiral bind uh, with beautiful blue Smithson paper in it. It costs the absolute earth. Um, I wouldn't oh, recommend it? it as as good value, but it's, it's beautiful. It's lovely. Stu's flexing a little bit here. I've got the Smithson. <laughs> well, I have several of them. Uh, it does go into a writing folder. The writing folder is, you know, very corporate black leather with, you know, my initials on it. Uh, again, the the price will bring tears to your eyes, but it was it was a gift to myself <laughs> after I sold the business. So that's when I'm, uh, you know, even I sometimes even I wear a tie, um, and that's for me taking notes when I'm talking to potential clients, uh, doing reviews, internal audits, that type of thing. Um, you haven't
0: switched to clip on ties like the rest of the world working from home? No,
1: no. Um, I'm British. I will not wear a clip on tie ever. I'm, I'm more than happy. I, I don't wear a tie lightly, um, unless you're paying me a lot of money or you've died, then I'm unlikely to put a tie on for you. Um, because I, I've really enjoyed giving up all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I certainly wouldn't wear a clip on just in heaven for fend. um, <laughs> For Nero's, um, I've got uh, a custom book that we had made for Nero's. Uh, it is for sale. <laughs> There's a few left. Uh, the company that made it uh, is no longer there, um, unfortunately. It's Calipino um, from France, uh, who makes some wonderful notebooks. Really nice company. Um, but they shut their doors at the end of September, I think. Oh, Um, uh yeah it's a it's a terrible shame for the sort of european stationery world. They were um really nice little pocket notebooks They had some wine tasting notebooks. I was about
0: to say I've got the
1: wine tasting notebooks. good thing I've got some extras on those yeah um, I think the Calipino website um still has you know whatever remnants they've got on it i don't I don't know um but they made um pretty much our version of that Smithson <laughs> to be honest um I'm um, just having a look. Yeah, their website is still up, uh, calipino.fr. And uh, they still have what stock is remaining, I think. So, um, yeah, if you want to go and pick up some some refills, uh, by all means do. Um, all right.
0: I have a question, though, because I'm on Nero's Notes looking at the uh, tasting notebook as we speak. Uh-huh. And the price is showing me in dollars. Is that Canadian dollars or
1: is that U.S. dollars? Uh, I imagine it will be Canadian dollars um it's nothing to do with me that's shopify doing it's shopify thing
0: Ugh. uh up up here it's so confusing canadian or us because you know there's almost a 40% difference
1: well oh, that's a significant difference well i i'm also looking at the um the Calipino website there's no more mention um of them closing down i'm wondering whether they've uh, they found a buyer i don't know interesting Interesting. Um, this is exciting podcasting. Two old men surf the <laughs> internet. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, the, the Nero's Notes um, book is the same sort of thing. Uh, it's not quite as grand as the, as the Smithson, but it's a lovely book to write, and the paper's excellent. Uh, it can handle um, fountain pens unless you get, you know, really, really inky. Um, and for me, there's a sort of symmetry. My, my two um, work... Notebooks, daily books uh, look broadly the same, right? So they, they can sort of sit side by side or on top of each other. I can see which one is which because the Smithson has got more binding and is slightly bigger. Um, but these means that, you know, blue covered book, work. Um, and then for my personal one, I'm using, uh, this is a Spanish notebook by Octagon. Um, and I've got the work in progress cover. really good paper 100 gsm paper um and it's got that really clever binding so it's got lay flat binding um handles uh fancy pens very well uh and is bright orange we've got a couple of um shall we say pithy titles um uh some of them probably not suitable for work depending on where you work i guess (laughs) i was just looking at some of those now yeah, um, yeah. if you're working in a merchant bank, you might struggle with some of those. Um, on the other hand, uh, if you're working from home, who cares? Uh, for me, what I really like from this system is that it allows me to sort of compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm in uh, Nero's mode or I'm in personal mode or I'm in Lime mode um, and try and prevent myself. When I become really sort of non-productive is when I have... 12 windows open for Lime and 14 windows open for Nero's and six shopping windows open and I'm sort of mixing all my roles and I just end up doing nothing. Whereas if I sit there and say, okay, who am I now? Right, okay, this morning is all about Lime. I, I just have that book on the desk. Um, I just have those tabs open and I should really spend a little bit of time in getting all the IT to you know context switch for me and stuff, but I haven't. And that's what I do. I don't use them as task managers. They're freeform these books um so that any thought that comes into my mind if i want to capture a point during a call or a meeting um they don't have um any journal aspect to them they are they're kind of like scratch pads um and they're not something that i keep either i do keep them for say a year and then they uh they get disposed of just because I'm bored of having a 17,000 notebooks around my place. Task management, I still use uh, things sort of for the electronic element and the analog cards um, for sort of, you know, daily task managing, as it were. That's my basic system. What about you? What is your sort of basic setup?
0: Well, I was actually thinking about this. Mine is much more simple than ever. Um, work, anything to do with work, really just gets put in one book and i keep using the same book it's a uh, leuchtturm 1917 in a5 dot grid um i've tried other books and i always end up uh, defaulting back to this this is my one place of truth everything is in there i do a two-page weekly layout uh where i set up sort of my time blocks and my appointments and everything like that once a week and I keep that going and that sort of becomes my daily work driver. Um, you know, I obviously will go through my task manager and stuff, but, uh, once a week I'm sort of setting up this as that plan for the week.
1: And when do you do that? Do you do that
0: on a Monday or you do that on a Sunday? Or? I, I find I, I do it best. Uh, I've tried doing it on the Sunday. But work and me on a Sunday are very easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. you know we're going out somewhere we're going camping uh, I don't have access to online stuff. You know these are things that are very real problems for first world problems but um so i I sit down on a Monday morning, I come into my office, and the first thing I do is plan my week uh, and that works really well for me and then basically as notes come up i was in a meeting yesterday i was in a meeting on teams oh my god is that crap um <laughs> sorry a lot of fun <laughs> oh my god god it was it was a na- trying to log in and uh it didn't want to launch in uh chrome it just kept locking up and it was a nightmare anyway um but you know for something like that i just use an X page and it becomes like stews is just a a place for me to make notes and, and keep things, uh, going, um, meeting notes. Weirdly, uh, I tend to use, I've got some retro fifty ones kicking around. I've got some, mm-hmm. uh, Parker jotters, I, you know, I tend to use a non fountain pen note when I'm in a meeting or a non fountain pen pen sure. when I'm in a meeting just for the fact that I'm not having to, uh, take a note and unscrew a cap and all that junk. It's just yeah. nice to have a pen. I can can leave out. Um, but during you know during the week, I kind of pick a theme color for my ink for the week, generally, and will mostly keep up with that. Um, and and yeah, basically anything to do with work and daytime planning goes in that. Um, I use analog cards. And I do basically two of those. One is a week and one is a daily. Um, and that's really just planning my personal stuff because I don't know what you used to. There's always something that I've got to do. I never have a day where I could just say, I'm going to take it easy. <laughs> I look at my daughter and go, geez, what a life. <laughs> I would love to, I would love to have that, you know, but anyway, it ain't happening. I'm old. I have responsibilities. I am a grown-up, so I've been told. Um, Apart from that, I have a single journal that I use, which is uh, a rotating A5. Uh, It's lined. I have a really nice uh, rustic leather color with my initials on it that I bought a number of years ago. Um, And it's sort of getting that nice patina from from being handled so much. Mm -hmm. Um, I love that. Uh, currently, this is a rodia. Uh, I didn't pull it out, but uh, it's orange on the inside, so it's like, oh yes, I put it in its Rodea. That changes from Japanese stationery to Rodea. They're never too thick. I try to stay away from like the large terms. They tend to be the thinner, um, you know, ones. But uh, it's it's great. It's just where I keep all of my notes to myself. It's my journal. Uh, this is the one with a couple of pens that goes with me when I'm camping. I, and I realize that I usually carry a field notes around when outside the house, but I hardly use it uh, because, well, I don't go anywhere, uh, especially not anywhere that needs field notes. Um, Wine tasting notes are about the most I use it for, uh, but I do have it uh, in a nice leather case and, well... I think the biggest use for it is I stick my lotto tickets inside uh, for when I have to go and cash those in and purchase more and uh yeah i it's it's really boring. I had no idea you had a, a lotto habit well I just uh I dream I dream a small amount every <laughs> every week ten dollars a week is my dreaming money because well uh if if it if somebody wins it and it wasn't me I'd be upset. But uh, no, I, it's it's just one of those things. I don't know. If, uh, the Canadians have this thing called Lotto Six Forty Nine, um, and the Super Max, uh, and they are cross country, and they are they're not like the Powerball down in the states, but they are significant wins, and I like to be able to dream a little bit. So yeah, it's one of those things. You buy your tickets once a week, and uh, you need to have. I played the same numbers. I'm one of those guys play the same numbers all the time so i have my little ticket in there that i can just scan it and i move on so there you go you learn something about me <laughs> it's about the only gambling i ever do Stu, so
1: well i'm I mean, really not
0: that bad here's hoping your numbers come up ah uh, that'd be nice wouldn't it i gotta pay off the mortgage somehow <laughs> but yeah no my my setup is really simple i and i hadn't sure. really thought about it until we we're kind of planning for this is i've just I, and it's funny cause I sit at my desk and I've got a bunch of other, uh, maybe theme notebooks that I've tried and just lost the, the love for, sure. you know, and this is something that works for me at this point in, in time. Um, and it's so simple and I par- I think right now I am writing less stuff than I ever used to, um, because I think I just used to use stationery for stationery's sake, mm-hmm. um, you know, Back in the day, it was, let's try something new, especially when
1: I found something new.
0: But uh, yeah, it is what it is. Simple sure. is better.
1: No, I mean, I, th- I think, you know, I've used that system and I, I like that system. The reason I, I sort of moved to three was um, one, because I think that sort of context shift, sort of trying to split my roles um, and not try and be all things at once. I think that helps me focus, get a little bit more switched on. Um, sometimes, you know, if I'm trying to work out um, what price I should retail field notes at, and then I get a question about um, transaction li- limits and ID for anti-money laundering law in the UK, um, I find myself sitting there, oh, well, I don't know. <laughs> and I think, well, actually, I do know. I, I need to sort of sit back and, and switch on the anti-money laundering consultant head and they go, okay, right, I now know the answer. But those, those switches um, to, you know, just knocked me to bits in terms of um, productivity, so that's why I sort of moved to the three three book. And also, um, I would I would get a question. and I think oh, I spoke about that three days ago. I'll just I'll just go into the notebook and find it. But if I have all all of my stuff in one notebook, it was getting really difficult to find things. Whereas if it's a a, a Nero's question, I know it'll be in the Neuros book. So um, that's why I switched to that. Um, I mean, I used to, um, like you, do, do a little sort of planning exercise in there as well. And um, I know what you're saying about sort of stationary for Say, so I used to take probably too much time just getting a ruler out and drawing out a sort of, you know, weak plan and go, okay, oh, well, what colour am I going to do that? And just got caught up in the whole stationary side of things rather than the tool side of things. Um, but I suppose the other thing that's good about, using three books as I get to use three books (laughs) just sort of feeds that uh that issue um my my disadvantages I think on the system that I'm using at the moment are it doesn't really support time blocking because which book do you time block in that's the fourth book that you need to (laughs) do absolutely one to rule them all um but it also um it makes it hard to understand what my priority is um you know that the books don't really aid that process I, I have to use the um uh, the analogues for that just to work out. Okay, I've got this to do for that business, that to do for that business and that to do for the missus. Obviously the one for the missus is the top priority. Um, but after that, which one should I be doing? Um, that doesn't really get helped by having three books. Um, and well, I suppose the other thing is sometimes I look around me and go, okay, I've got three books going analog the log cards there. I've got some more index cards here. I've got some folietto cards over there. Blimey, you know, I'm I'm, I'm drowning in systems here um and i sort of ache for simplicity about this time every year is when i start thirsting for a, an economist diary mm, yes uh, and saying yeah, and saying, right that's it everything's going to go in the economist diary everything's going to be perfect it'll be great
0: didn't you pick one up for this year
1: not for this year but for last year. okay last year that was it yeah and you know like i said i'm feeling the pull again <laughs> um it, you know it's one of those things that you know, can i really make a year's commitment to it um, and the other thing is that if you do have to travel anywhere, it's enormous if you get the big one.
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of the nice thing about the A5s is uh, they just throw in a backpack quite easily.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, that's not the case with a massive um, double bound, super duper economist pay, page per day diary. It's well, huge. I'm also
0: not sure you're going to throw in that uh, fairly expensive Smithson ring bound uh,
1: just at the back of an, a backpack and carry it around. No, it goes. It goes. It goes in its its writing folder, and then goes into the backpack. But it has to be the right sort of backpack, obviously. I mean, tra- traveling for business is a whole new set of episodes. Justin, thank heavens, neither of us does it very often anymore, or else we'd be we'd be obsessing about backpacks. Oh God, yeah, travel business ties. I mean, this this episode's falling apart, Stu. <laughs> Actually, what's happened to We go away on go away on a little bit of a holiday you go on a bit of a work trip every, uh, everything falls apart justin i i actually dug
0: out a, a jacket last night we went out for our date night dinner with uh, mrs t and i dressed up a little bit because we were going to a nice a nice wine tasting bar and restaurant lovely um but yeah i've realized that i have an entire section of a wardrobe Uh, that is in Mrs. T's um, bathroom. It's kind of like the walk-in closet to that bathroom that uh, I go in approximately once every six months because that's where all my suits and jackets and shirts and dress pants are. And uh, yes, I think I use those. uh, Maybe about once every three months we go on a date that I dress up a little bit more for. But it felt so weird to be wearing, you know, like a a suit
1: jacket. It was, oof. (laughs) Um, And no, there was no tie anywhere in in sight, Stuart. Good. I mean, I've got a wardrobe like that, that. The unfortunate thing about it, Justin, is that everything I put in there appears to shrink. Oh, yes. I know about that one it's a terrible thing i have to find somewhere else to keep them i think yeah i
0: i, I would blame uh, mrs l for that but
1: <laughs> not when she's listening that's true all right Sue. So, got any takeaways then for this week uh well i suppose my takeaway would be um i don't get too too hung up on creating a system and saying i must stick with this um you if you sort of chop and change, then you will find what works for you. And I think what works for you can, can change, can evolve depending on what your role is, uh, where you are in life, um, you know, all the things that Just and I were just just discussing. Um, but one thing I would say from my own experience is that try and give whatever system you are going to use a proper go. Um, don't buy an economist diary and abandon it after two weeks, <laughs> at least, at least give yourself a quarter.
0: Mm. I've got a nice paper blanks that I uh, bought because it's beautiful and then just couldn't use last year. <laughs> That's still good for the rest of the year, but uh, the format just didn't, didn't gel with me. So I know exactly what you mean. Uh, my takeaway, uh, I've doubled down on what works for me uh, because I, as I said before, rarely experiment with new stationary Likely because I haven't visited a stationery store in a few years. Um, So, you know, maybe I need to buy a stationery store like Stu just so I have more options. What do you think?
1: (laughs) Well, you you never know. There must be a Canadian one out there that that needs the benefit of your touch, Just
0: Uh, Up here, logistics are not good. (laughs) Everything takes a a little bit longer to ship. I mean, shipping. Canada's a big place, Stu. Yep. And when you're out here in the backwoods um shipping isn't quick but anyway it'd be nice to have all that inventory to play with though i just need to find a claire as well
1: yeah that's the secret
0: where can people find you on the internet this week Stu? oh you've been
1: yeah posting pictures of yourself for a change heavens yes well good lord yeah a couple of camino pictures uh will have turned up on nero's notes um instagram which is at nero's notes um Predominantly, you can find my writing at stuartlennon.com, um, which is where you'll find uh, most of the posts about the Camino. Um, if you want if you want the, uh, the down and dirty, then you'll need to sign up as a member. Um, but there's some other posts too. Um, you can also find me sort of just failing to understand the world on X. Um, I've got the catchy uh, name there of at4left187. Um, that's F-O-R-E-L-E-F-T. 187 um that's just me marveling at the world really the the amazing world of x um my serious stuff is uh limeconsulting.com which also has an x account and a facebook account and all the stuff all the socials uh, and if you if you want some really nice stationery um price is now in all sorts of currencies it would appear uh nero's notes at www.nerosnotes.co.uk or on X at Nero's Notes, on Facebook as Pocket Notebooks, or on Instagram as Nero's Notes. Where about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well,
0: I've been pretty quiet, actually. Uh, but you can find links to everything I do at justintwyford.com. I'm kind of moving away from the whole social thing again. I, once in a while, we'll share something, but very rarely. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, because um, I, I saw the picture of you on Instagram, mm-hmm. and wondered what they are hunting for in Spain that you have to wear those pink socks for to avoid the hunters because uh, my eyes will never forget that.
1: It's I mean, generally speaking, just it's better safe than sorry. I find, but um, uh, yeah, I mean the backstory is I have to wear compression stockings anyway because I've got um, faulty faulty valves in my veins. So I've got a huge um, ulcer on the inside of my leg. Let's not go any further than that. Um, so I have to wear those, kind of for health. And once I discovered that at a relatively young age, I suppose this would be oh, this would be maybe fifteen years ago. Um, I, I, I thought, well, if, if I'm going to have to wear them, then I'm going to wear bright ones. So I have um, an extensive collection of very bright compression stockings. Um, and I now live in a country where I nearly always wear shorts. Um, and certainly if I'm going walking, I always wear shorts. I don't care what the weather is doing. Uh, skin is waterproof, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so I <laughs> I wear those. Fortunately, um, my walking buddy, Stu, is equally eccentric. And he was wearing a... Um, he was wearing a Basque beret from Bilbao, um, the real deal, proper waterproof Basque beret, um, which was in a, a very natty raspberry. Uh, and for reasons that I've not quite got to the bottom to, of, he he brought a very nice, uh, fine pink scarf, uh, which he would wear uh, certainly in the evening. So it was a bit like going out for dinner with a slightly bizarre Noel Coward. Um, yeah, we we made quite a sight, I'd say. Um, and he was wearing a thing called a poncho, mm. um, a hiking poncho, which sort of goes over you and your pack. I have one of uh, those. Yeah, well, with the right wind, um, you can you can actually take off. Uh, did he? Uh, uh, you know, get there a little quicker coming down those hills. What, what, once or twice, it got a little bit close, um, and uh, we, it it became uh, a sort of running joke. Um, we described it as the microclimate, uh, because although it was raining uh, in Spain, it was still quite warm. Um, and so walking inside, essentially, what, it's just a plastic tarpaulin. He um, would very, very quickly get very, very warm and turn to me and go, oh, it's the microclimate and take the thing off, uh, get rained on um, and then put it back on, which I thought rather defeated the object. But there you are. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, we've got to talk.
0: Um, I've got a better one. For- that doesn't do that, has poles at the side. It's very nice. But anyway, we won't talk uh, <laughs> h- hiking and camping gear because I could go on for a whole Oh, we should do that. All yeah. right. Uh, if you have any comments, thoughts, I uh, would like to tell Stu not to talk about his toes anymore. Uh, <laughs> please uh, drop us an email at stationjason@gmail.com. at uh, gmail.com. Take a moment to like and review us on your podcast. Catch your choice. And we really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic is going to be on podcasting and how I think has changed post-pandemic. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes!